0: Welcome. So good to see you. We're diving into week two of John. Uh, Glad you could join us. Uh, Every week in Women's Bible Study, we take an offering. It's just a way to support uh, our books, the tech, childcare, all those things. So if you've donated in the past, thank you so much. Uh, We just appreciate your generosity, and it really does help fund the mission. Uh, And last but not least, prayer groups, I'm jazzed about this. Um, Prayer groups are happening in our community. They're they're spurting up. All these women who feel called to pray and invite other women to do it uh, are coming out of the woodworks, and they're saying, hey, I wanna pray about this. I wanna pray about this. I wanna pray. Grace Noah's doing a group at 6 a.m. Monday mornings here on campus. She's like, I wanna start my week in prayer. So we have leaders all across campus. Tanya, our beloved Tanya, is starting her prayer group today. It's gonna be a walking prayer group. So if you are a woman who likes to walk. Can I get an amen? Uh, They are gonna be meeting on the steps across the way of the sanctuary at 1230 and they're just gonna do a prayer walk through the community just to pray over the church, the houses, our neighbors. Um, So if that's you, if you've never been a part of a prayer group and you just wanna check it out, 12:30 12:30 today on the steps of the church. Tanya will give a little overview, and then you'll do a little. I imagine a three-hour walk is it, Tanya? No, 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 no. A little walk around the neighborhood just to pray and bless. And so, if you've never been a part of a prayer group, I want to encourage you check out all the ones we offer. Get involved. If you're new to prayer or scared of prayer, uh, there's no one's going to put you on the spot and make you pray right away. You can just come, join other women, learn from other women, watch how other women pray. It will enhance your own prayer life. So I want to encourage that. Um, Yay, that's it, and now we get to dive into the text. Um, Anyone excited about the wedding, water to wine? (laughs) I'm jazzed about it. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, but before we do, I feel the need. Um, I'm all about confession. It's part of the Christian faith. And so I feel the need to confess what my latest addiction is. And it's not something I'm like super proud of, but it's just the reality. Sometimes you like the things you like. So a little context, I am historically a late trender. So when things come out, I don't catch them till about 10 years later. So example being in COVID, I discovered the show Survivor. (laughs) They were on season 34, but I had finally gotten on board with Survivor and was telling my friends about it. I'm like, there's this show. They're like, we know. It's been on TV for 12 years. Um, But I'm like a little late in the game, and that's okay. I'm from Wisconsin. We don't trend quickly. Um, And so I, somebody asked me the other day, they're like, hey, are you, what podcast are you listening to? And I was like, pod who? They're like, what what podcast are you listening to? I'm like, I don't, I don't podcast. And they're like, you don't podcast? I'm like, no. Does everyone podcast? Everyone podcasts. So anyways, I was introduced by a friend to the podcast serial. Okay, well, Serial has millions of followers. It looks like there's one here. But Serial is a famous crime murder mystery podcast. And what they do is they unpack a murder mystery, a true life one, and they'll go back and they'll get references and cross checks and they want to figure out who did it and what was the true story. And it has millions of subscribers. The woman is amazing. The way she pieces and glues the story together. Again, I didn't think I was a podcaster. Listen to one episode. I can't stop. I mean, I'm like going to lunch and I'm like wanting to put my ear pods in. I want to know all the time, like, what happened? Who did it? And I'm telling you this because I've been so excited about listening to it. I like can't get enough of it. I keep talking about it. And I just, I was, and then I went into my John study and I was like, why? I wonder why we don't always approach the Bible like that with that same kind of excitement, intrigue, because the story of John, the story of the Bible is a murder mystery, Our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, was murdered, and it changed everything about all human history. And so, since the beginning of time, people were prophesying his murder, and afterwards, we've been going back, and we're going, back. that's why we're studying the word. Who was there? Who saw what happened? Who was his best friend? What was his alibi? What happened? The story of Jesus' death and resurrection should be the most captivating thing about our life. And it's, it's the beauty of going back to John and saying, okay, what did his friends say about him? Where was he? Who was with him the night of the wedding? We're unveiling the story of Jesus because his death changed everything. It's the only murder that we're still stuttering 2,000 years later because not only was there a death, there was a resurrection, right? And so when we approach the book of John, I want us to approach it with the excitement and the adrenaline of what happened, who was there, because what happened changes everything about how you and I live. It's a story that keeps unfolding, and that's the beauty of the gospel. I don't know how everyone's experience was in Lectio Divina, but I'm always amazed as somebody who, um, it's my job to read the Bible, so I do read the Bible often, that every time I go into it, the Lord can reveal something new to me. There's another layer, there's another hidden message, there's there's more of the messianic promise of Jesus really was, is the Messiah. Um, And so I've been approaching it like that. I hope Lectio Divina was fun for you, If it wasn't, no worries. We're headed to a different study this next week so you can leave that behind. If you did enjoy the practice of it, uh, I wanna encourage you, try that out. Read, Read a psalm, read a little part of the scripture three times and ask God to reveal himself differently each time. So anyways, we are diving into the murder mystery today, Serial Jesus. Um, but before we do that, I want to pray for us and just invite the Lord to speak. Whatever he has for us, would the word be alive and active here through the power of the Holy Spirit? So Lord, God, we just thank you that we get to be in community together studying your holy word. God, I pray your spirit uh, would be present, that you'd stir in each of us, God. What is the word that you want us to hear today, God? Would you speak to us? Would you speak to our lives? Would you speak to our hearts, God? Would you make Minister to us through the power of your word, God. We want to know you more. So I thank you, Jesus, for who you are and just invite you into this space now. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. 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 Today we're going to dive into a little bit uh, of purpose. What was Jesus's purpose and what's our purpose? And before we can ever get to purpose, we have to start with identity. That's what we started last week, who is Jesus? And so that's how the book of John lays it out. It starts with who Jesus is, and then we're gonna start to see what Jesus's purpose is for on this earth, on this kingdom, why did Jesus, why was he sent to earth? That's what we're going to study today. And that question is going to resound to us of what's our purpose? Why are we here on this earth? What is God asking us to do? Um, and we're going to explore that today. So let's read John 2, 1 through 11. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. I just want to pause there. Sometimes you and I, depending on the church we grew up in, depending on if you know Jesus or not, we can tend to have this kind of holier-than-thou perception of Jesus. I want you to take a look. Here's the context clues in the serial podcast. Jesus is partying at a wedding with his friends. And for some of you that you're like, yeah, I know, he's with his mom, I mean, holla, it is a party in here. But Jesus was a man who celebrated. Jesus was a man who went to weddings. Jesus wasn't always in the garden, crying by himself, pleading with the Father. Jesus lived in community, for community, with community. Jesus partied, okay. Verse three, it says, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. All right, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, whoa, sassy, Jesus. Here they're saying that Jesus is sinless. I don't think. Disrespect to your mother. Um, no, not at all. Back in the day, the word "woman" was a title, and it was a title of honor. And Jesus used it to address his mother when he was on the cross. And so this is not Jesus saying, "Woman, get," by, you know. He's not being sassy. It's not the first sin. Uh, he's just saying, "Mom" or "woman." What does this have to do with me? My hour is not, not come. come. Uh, and his mother said to the servants, "Do whatever he tells you." Now there were six stone jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. So these things are massive. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw out some water and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So the first point I want to make today is that Jesus has the power to meet our needs, and I would go as far to say Jesus is the only one who has the power to meet our needs. So, some things you need to know. Um, at a wedding, back in the day, hospitality ruled ruled the community it ruled the world. If you were not hospitable, there were consequences of that. And so, when we read this, we think like, "Oh, yeah, I've been at a party and the wine runs out and it's like, hey, can someone run to 7-11 and fill up again? It's not a big deal, right? You and I we either autocorrect or we're like, "Oh, everyone's drinking water, no big deal." Back in the day, if you were to host a community event, if you were to have a wedding and run out of wine, it was like the ultimate mark of shame over your family. In some communities, you were fined for the lack of hospitality because it showed it showed disrespect to your guests. And so for someone to run out of wine, this isn't like, hey, party fowl. This is, hey, this, this affects our family. This is going to change our standing in the community. This is no small offense. This is offense that's going to bring shame on a family instead of honor. So it's a very vulnerable moment. To run out of wine is to disrespect, dishonor your community and so when they come to him and say we're out of wine they're saying it's like they're coming to him naked and ashamed and saying can you cover me like I'm we're stuck and our family is gonna have a bad mark unless something happens so Jesus Jesus in his compassion he sees he sees the need of of the people. It's not the need we think of, like, oh, they're thirsty, they're going crazy. Wine was a sign of celebration in that community. Not drunkenness, not too much wine, but they would use wine as a way of joy. It showed God's providence, his goodness, his celebration. So Jesus sees this family in pain, and the mo- and his mother sees them. He says, they're going to be out of wine. And he says, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, what a weird response, you know? Why wouldn't Jesus, why would he make a big deal of this? But I think there's a lot of keys in that my hour has not yet come. Jesus refers multiple times in the gospel to his hour. He refers to the hour of his death because when Jesus came to earth, he knew what his purpose was. He was created for that hour. Jesus came to die, And so when other things were coming at him, when people wanted him to fill their agenda, to do their thing, Jesus had a refocus of, hey, this isn't my plan. This isn't my mission. This isn't my purpose. I'm I'm living for that one hour when I will die to take on the sins of the world. But in Jesus's grace and in his mother's faith, his mother mother doesn't even respond to it. She goes, do whatever he tells you. In faith, in faith, she tells them to do what Jesus says. And so I want to tell you today, if there is a need in your life, if you ask Jesus something, if he tells you to do something, do it, go ahead, don't question it, don't call your friends, should I do this, just be obedient, do what the servants did, they listened to Jesus' mom who said believe him, now go do it, they acted on it, where do you need to act in faith? So Jesus gets these big stone jars, and at the time those jars were used for ritual purification. They had to be cleansed. So any guest who came to the wedding would have to be cleaned before they could enter the celebration, before they could enter the community. So Jesus, in his righteousness and his wisdom, Jesus knows all things, he grabs the purification jars, which would clean somebody outside, and he sends the servant and he turns the water to wine. Now, if those of you who have read the book of John, you know what wine symbolizes. Right before Jesus died, he gave his disciples wine and he says, this is the blood of my new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me that I've forgiven your sins. So Jesus takes ritual water, which would cleanse somebody's outside, and he changes it to wine, representing his blood, which would eventually cleanse us inside. Everything Jesus did was based on the purpose that he was giving God. And I wonder, I wonder for us, what is our purpose? What is your purpose? And when I think about this, I think about Jesus' mother noticing that they were out of wine, noticing there was about to be shame on this family and wanting to do something. And so my question for us today, my question for you, is where are you out of wine? Where are you empty? Where are you coming up not full? Where is there shame in your life? Where do you need the power of Jesus to enter in and meet your needs? You see, Jesus knew that only he could meet our needs. He knew that no amount of ritual cleansing was gonna make someone pure. He knew that he had to die so that his blood could cleanse us. And that wine that we take at communion, it's a symbol of what Jesus did on our inside. Where do you need the power of Jesus? Jesus concealed his power until this hour when he was asked by his mother. Where do you need to ask Jesus to be powerful? Where do you need to come in and say, hey, I'm running, out of, I'm running out of energy in my marriage. I'm running out of patience with my kids. I'm running out of the will to work for this company. I'm running out of the faith that we're gonna make it till the end of the month. I'm running out of hope that this, that this cancer diagnosis is ever gonna change. We all come to Jesus with our own needs, all of us, it's part of how we are made. Where do you need Jesus to come in and do what only he could do? The servants could not turn water to wine. Has anyone ever been at a party where someone just changed water to wine? Oh man, I think that'd be an awesome party. And I also think that nobody can do that but Jesus. So um, I just think the, the signs of Jesus, he's always bringing life, he's always removing shame. Where do you need Jesus to come in with his power and remove your shame? That's what he's doing in this text right here. Reminding them, foreshadowing the feast to come of when he would die and his blood would cleanse us forever from the inside. So that's our first thing today. Where do you need Jesus's power Where does your need need his power because only Jesus can meet our deepest needs. And one more thing on that, sometimes so often I think we think we're responsible to meet our own needs because we live in America and it's very individualistic and it's like, girl, figure it out, or you got this, or you can do this. And so you and I, we strive, 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 and you and I are turning our wheels trying to make water into wine, trying to cover a shame that we can not uncover from ourselves. Where do you just need to surrender your own effort and say, Jesus, I'm ashamed about this. I can't do anything. Will you do something? Invite him into that place. That's what Jesus loves to do is cover our shame and make us new. All right, continuing on, John 2 verse 12. It says, after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. Uh, The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables and he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade and his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Second point that I wanna make today Jesus is all about his father's business. Whose business are you about? You see, Jesus went to the, so it's the Passover. This is, these are things I've learned as I've studied John over the years. So the Passover is the Jewish celebration where they remember the day that God spared the Israelites for those who put blood over the door, where he literally passed over them when he was killing the firstborns of their enemies. And so they're remembering the Passover, Jesus's or God sparing their lives. And so to celebrate the Passover, any Jewish male who was 19 or older would have to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and pay the temple tax. It was part of their ritual. As part of their custom, and so all the men in the area are going to Jerusalem to pay their temple tax, to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, what's done by the law. And so when I first read this, I kind of thought of like the temple being overtaken by like squatters or hawkers, or people that are like, "I'm going to sell roses," "I'm going to sell the, "I'm going to put up a hot dog stand." I thought just random people were coming into the temple to make money. No, 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 no. These are religious people. They know all these people are traveling from a far way away, and they need to pay the temple tax. And so these are religious people helping other religious men check off the system of lists. Okay, this guy's coming from 30 miles out. He's not going to bring his own pigeons. They're not going to survive a 30-mile walk. I'll get pigeons here. I'll sell them. I'll get my friend who's the money trader. He can trade his money. So they're doing religion. This isn't, they're not, they're not out there just selling whatever to make money and desecrating the Lord's house in that way. They're doing religion, and it's desecrating the Lord's heart. So Jesus comes in, and he's going to pay his temple tax due. This is all part of Israel tradition or Jewish tradition. So he goes, and he gets out a cord, and he starts moving them out. Jesus knew what his purpose on earth was, and part of his purpose was for people to experience the goodness and the fullness and the richness of God. You see, God only dwelt in the temple before Jesus. Now, Jesus has gone to heaven. He shared his spirit with us. We can feel the Holy Spirit. We can worship him anywhere. His presence is all around. Back then, God's presence was confined to the temple, and so Jesus went to pay homage, to do his ritual act, and he saw everybody around him being religious, Checking the box, doing the right thing. And Jesus says, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, this is not what this is about. This house is a place of worship. This place is about people encountering my father, of knowing who he is, is being in communion with them. And so Jesus drives them out. How many of you have ever been to a spa? Amen. Amen. Well, where I grew up, there wasn't a lot of them. So I was introduced to spas much later in life, the finer things. Um, But you know if you've ever been to spa, you walk in and it's like this, it smells like miracles, I don't know, it smells so beautiful, Sense that you can't describe with your nose, and there's this like ease that comes over you. Everyone there is, you're, you're preparing for relaxation, and so it's quiet, sometimes they have the little sparkling waters. It's like you know, you know something good is coming. Your mind goes to a different place, your body goes to a different place, all the senses, if, you, if you've scheduled a facial, you're anticipating it, uh, you're in a different place. And I thought of that this morning because I was thinking about Jesus wanted the temple to be an inner spa for humanity, a place of rest with the Father, a place of experiencing his goodness, of realizing that, Jesus, that God is the safest place in the entire world. It was a rare set apart physical geographical place for people to enter the spa of who God is and bask in his glory. And Jesus saw that that was being perverted by the desires and needs of religious men who wanted to check a box. Whose business are we about? Are we about God's business or are we about our own business? Um, have you ever had those days where you like are getting stuff done? Oh, yeah, I see some nods. Like, you know what I'm talking Like, you're up, you're getting a workout in, you do the email, you drop off the kids, you do, br- like, you're, like, on a roll. If you're in yoga pants, it feels even better because you're like, I'm kicking butt, like, I'm just doing this. But, you, like, you know what I'm talking about? We've all had maybe one in eight years a day like this where we're like, I am getting it done. I had one of those days a few weeks ago where I got up and I was like, I had energy, I don't normally, I like drink coffee and I was like on a, I was like shooting emails, I was like calling people, I was texting people, I like cooked staff breakfast, I got out the door, I like got to the gym, I got to the, I was just killing it. I was like, Lord, you're welcome. Um, But I was doing... (laughs) I was doing my thing, right? I was getting on my plans, my agenda. I'm like, I am awesome today. Not the last six months, but I'm awesome today. So I'm going, going, and I'm gonna draw, I'm gonna go to Starbucks to pick myself up just a little afternoon coffee treat because I'm gonna kick butt all afternoon, right? So I'm like going to Starbucks, I'm in there, I'm like, oh my gosh, can I have a coffee? I get my coffee, and God's like, easy woman, God God stops me in my tracks as I'm about to charge out and write emails in his name. He stops me, and he's like, hey, I just, uh, you see that woman over there? She's hurting. I, I want you to just pray for her. Just just go sit near her. You don't have to talk to her. It's just like she's going through something. Just pray for her. And I was like, did you forget I'm on a mission today? God, I got stuff to do. I'm killing it. I got my yoga pants on. I got places to be. And Jesus says, "No." mm mm-mm, mm-mm. I want you to just sit and, and, and pray until I release you. So I went over there, I started praying. I just prayed for her, I didn't talk to her, I didn't feel like led to go speak to her, but I, just, I prayed for her, I knew she was going through something and the Lord just refocused me and said, it's never been about your business, it's always been about my business. Whose business are you about? When you're honest in your soul. I think if I'm honest, I'm usually about my business. I wanna get my things done, I want them done my way, I want to feel accomplished, I want to feel like I'm checking the list, and I wonder how many of those vendors in the temple square thought they were doing the right thing. Well, I'm gonna help these men who are traveling far, I'm gonna change their money, I'll make a little profit, but I'll give it back to Jesus, and I'm gonna get those animals in, and like, they can just bring them right to the like, altar and sacrifice, I'm, just, I'm helping the system. I think sometimes we think we're helping the system when we're missing the point of the system. Everything is about God everything. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that. And so he goes to the temple and he's, he sees what's going on, that men are putting their man-made plans on a God-made plan. And he says, uh-uh-uh, this cannot be. Where are you building man-made plans where God just wants you to sit and dwell in his glory? A better question is, where are you trying to do for God when he, all he wants is just for you to be? He wants you to experience in him. He wants you to go to the spa, the internal place inside of you where things need to come undone, where you need healing, where you need space to breathe, where you're hurting, where there's need. He wants you to come into that place in his glory and let him in and say, God, I need you. I need you to refocus me. I need you to tell me what you're about. Will you help me in this place? God invites us to spa with him before he invites us to do stuff for him? Has religion overtaken your relationship in any way? And if so, what would it look like for you to let go of the to-do list and ask God, what do you want me to be about? I think about this all the time. When we talk about purpose and we talk about mission, so often we can think it means like, oh, for people in the church, like Holy's calling me to serve in this. I'm not called to be a pastor. I don't wanna be a missionary. I'm not, I'm not talking about purpose in the church. I'm talking about purpose in your everyday life, about you smiling at the grocery store clerk who's having a rough day, about you letting someone go in traffic, about you being gracious to a rude email that you receive. I'm talking about day in, day out mission. What is your purpose? See, Jesus knew his purpose and he got to it with fervor. He didn't have to sit there, he didn't go tell all his disciples, what should we do? This? He just acted on it because he knew the father's business. What business of the fathers is he inviting you into? Some of you are work in workspaces, some of you are teachers, some of you are nurses, some of you are moms, some of you are wives. You are all placed in a position to have mission from God, to have purpose from God. And it's not just to earn a paycheck. It's not just to spend your days. God has a deeper mission and purpose for you in that place. Do you know what it is? Sometimes we don't even ask. Sometimes we just start living, we get that checklist, we put on our yoga pants, and we just go, 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 and we miss the mission of God. Jesus knew, he kept saying, I'm here for the hour. I'm here for the hour, I'm here to die. I know exactly where I'm going. Do you know what your purpose is on this earth? That's what I want to leave you with today As your homework assignment for the week, month, year until the, the rest of your days is asking the Lord what his purpose is for you. Because we're not made on accident. We're not born on mistake. As much as our culture would like to say, find your own purpose. If our purpose and our DNA and our plans and our identity, they all come from God. And if we start making them up ourselves or trying to figure it out ourselves, there's this loss of satisfaction. And there's this free will with Jesus that you can do your own thing. You can make up your own plans. You can make a life for yourself and he will let you do that. But there is nothing like the satisfaction of being in line with Jesus and being on mission with Jesus and being in his will. Have any of you ever been on mission with God? When I stopped in that Starbucks and stopped my list and put on his list, there's like a flow that happens. There's a peace that happens. There's a fulfillment that happens. I didn't know anything about that woman. I didn't see any fruit, I didn't know what happened, but I knew Jesus was doing something bigger than me and that was gonna be better than any 13 emails that I sent. When we live for God's purpose, oh. Kingdoms, kingdoms move, mountains shift, the sea parts. And when we live for our own purposes and missions, we just keep cranking and cranking and trying to turn water into wine and it rarely, rarely works. What is God's purpose for your life? That's something that no one else can answer for you but you and God alone. It's sitting at his feet, it's asking him. It's asking friends to pray for you. God, would you reveal what your purpose is for me? And at the end of this, I wanna give us just a few minutes just to sit with God and ask him, would you show me what my purpose is for today, for this season, for the rest of my life? Would you, put, would you reveal your purposes to me? You see, Jesus knew his purpose. He knew why he was here, and it changed everything about the way he lived. It changed what he did. What is God's business for you? We'll we'll dive into that at the end. Last but not least, uh, John 2, 18 through 24. And so the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're gonna raise it in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that that He had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man." The last point I want to end on today is the promise of Jesus. Jesus knows what's in man. He knows that we're not trustworthy, but he is. He is. Jesus closes this. Jesus didn't come to get approval from men. I think it took me years to realize that. I think growing up in the church, I always felt like Jesus was being sold to me a little bit or like pitched to me like it was a marketing plan. And when you look at Jesus's life, Jesus is not self-promoting. Jesus is not I mean, Jesus could have done miracles at age 1 and done these signs and wonders and everyone would have been like he is the son of God. No, 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 no. Jesus was not about displaying himself, showing himself, trying to prove himself. Jesus knew who he was, and he didn't do his first sign until he was 30 years old, and it was at the request of his mother. Jesus has all power in heaven and on earth, and yet waited for whatever the Father would tell him to do. And it says Jesus did not entrust himself to man. I wonder how often you and I trust man over God. How often do we trust our intuition? our feelings, our knowledge, what our friends say, what culture says? How often do we trust man-made systems to get us somewhere, to bring us what we want, to to support us, to give us security? Jesus knew what was in men. Jesus did not put any trust in man. He didn't trust himself to them. Where are you putting trust in men that needs to be placed in Jesus? Because here's the thing, Jesus was not a salesperson. He wasn't trying to pitch himself. He wasn't trying to get, he could have easily made tons of public displays and shown signs and wonders and been like, I am, follow me. No, Jesus was here to get to the cross. That was his job. And we, by his extreme grace, have this invitation to believe in him. Jesus was not self-promoting. All he ever did was promote his father. He said, my God, my father is the Lord of lords. My father is God. I and the father are one. He served the father. And that led him ultimately to death on a cross for us. Where do you need to trust Jesus? Jesus is the only one who is worthy of our trust the only one. And yet myself, I'll only speak for myself. It's so easy for me to put my trust in humans, to put it in my friends, to put it in what I think I can do, what I can see, what I can control, what I can manage. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm the only one you can trust. And I'm not sales pitching myself to you. This is the truth. I came and I died on a cross so that you can live again. And if you want to live with me, you are invited to come. There is no force. There is no sales pitch. There's no gimmick. There's no trick to getting you to believe in Jesus. Jesus humbly went to the cross, died for us, and said, all who believe can follow me to heaven. What are you putting your trust in? If it's not Jesus, it will not pay the bill at the end. You see, Jesus is the only one that can turn water to wine. He's the only one that can turn sinners to saints. And he invites whoever wants to follow him. He says, come, follow me and I will be your Lord, and I will give you a new life, and you'll be a new creation. Jesus was all about his Father's business, and he knew that we would need him in order to fulfill the plans and purposes that God has for us. So as we close today, I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to start stirring in us what God's purposes are for us. Some of you might have a really clear sense like you know you know your purpose. You know why God placed you on this earth. And some of us, some of us have been running around forever just doing life like going to school, going to college, having kids just because that's what you do. And we've never taken the pause to say, "God, what's your unique purpose for me? Why did you create me the way I am? Why did you give me the family I have? Why did you place me in Eagle Rock?" or wherever you live, fill in the blank, at this time. See, God's created each of you with purpose and plans and you're unique for a reason. It's not just a random haphazard. God created you specifically for something that only he can reveal to you. And hopefully your community can help speak that in and encourage you and build you up. But I wanna invite the Holy Spirit right now, just, we can close your eyes. Uh, Lord, we know that you are, have created us with purpose, God. Jesus was the living example of he knew who he was. He's the son of God. And because of that identity, he walked so clearly in his purpose. He was living for the hour that he would die, God. He came to earth to die. Lord, where do we need to die? To ourselves, to our own plans, to our own dreams. Where do we need to let go of the purposes we have for ourselves, Father? I pray right now in each of us, God, that you would stir up a vision, a nudge, a word, a hope, a forgotten dream. God, would you show us in in the way that only you can for each of us, God? What is our purpose, God? What's our purpose for today? What's our purpose for this week? What's our purpose for this year? What is one of the many purposes you've given us, God? I pray for women that don't know, God, that have never asked this question, Father, that they would feel the Holy Spirit rising up in them. And if you feel a nudge or a vision, uh, you don't have to discredit that. You can just hold that and say, this is what I saw. Jesus, tell me if this is real or not. But Lord, would you, would you speak freshly to us today what your design is for our life, God, Not what ours is, not what our plans and hopes are, but Lord, you made us with purpose and intention, and you said that you know the plans that you have for us, and they are to prosper us and not to harm us. God plans to give us a hope and a future. I pray over each woman today, Father, as she goes about her day, thought she would be in tune to what your business is. How do you wanna use our sisters, God, in their homes, in their workplaces, with their friends, in coffee shops, in restaurants, in stores? God, use us for your kingdom purposes. And Father, as we sit in this final just minute of silence, I pray you'd speak a a fresh purpose over any heart that's longing to hear it, Father. God, we thank you that you're a good God who sees us, who knows us, who doesn't leave us. God, without help or a savior, you gave us Jesus. So would we receive Jesus, God? And would we this week charge into life, God, with Jesus on our side, with the Holy Spirit in us, looking for the purposes and plans that you have for us, God? We trust you completely. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.